Welcome back, Cowdies fans, to episode, hopefully I'm right on this one, 62 of the Chirping Yotes pro- podcast, brought to you by Inside the Rink Network. Uh, I got a lot to talk about. We got a Stanley Cup champion awarded. We got some player injury rumors and things going on. Before that, boys, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. Enjoying some nice weather up here in Minnesota. Uh, and just relaxing and waiting till the waiting for the draft to get here for the next big shoe to drop for the NHL world. How about you, Matt? Uh, lots going on. Getting ready for the baby. Oh, exciting. Lots of painting. We finally got our crib, you know, that sort of stuff. Doing, doing the dad life. The dad life. Excited? Sure you are. Ex- always excited. Hopefully a good Yotes fan, right? Or are you going to let him pick his own team when the time comes? Uh, well, I mean, come on, man. It's a Yotes household. Gotcha. That's good to hear. Good to hear. So I know some families will let them pick, and I'm like, no, you, you got to stick all the same. But uh, you, you can, you can have your own team, but you're going to be a Yotes fan too. That's fair. I like that. Well, one thing I don't like, or yeah, I'd say, is the Vegas Golden Knights have taken the Stanley Cup. Uh, they waited six long years for it. Apparently, they love to jab that at us. But uh, well, let's just talk about it, boys. What, what do we think? Is it? Were you surprised? Was it what you expected? The amount of games they had. What was that? Something, Matt, that you you think would par the course? Any any craziness there? I was a little bit surprised. I didn't necessarily think Bob needed to be like Toronto, Carolina series, Dabrowski for them to win, um, but. He he was like an eight thirty seven save percentage in the finals, and that that played a big role in two of the games for sure. Um, you got to be better. Uh, come up with a just an, a couple of average starts, and I think we see a game six and a game potentially a game seven. Um, Matthew Kachuk getting hurt didn't help. Uh, the fact that scoring kind of dried up just a little bit. I, I think Montour scored what in the final game or the final two games, and it was the first first points he had in almost ten games or something like that. So uh, Florida hit some some unlucky dry spells there, and I think it cost them. But yeah, I, I can't stand the fact that Vegas won uh, four conference finals in six years, their second Cup playoff appearance, and I mean their fans will argue that. You know, they've been through pain because they've had to watch their team lose in, you know, games or in playoff series so close to winning a cup. And, and, you know, that's so hard to do. But the reality is you guys have not had a losing season yet. You don't know what pain is. Missed the playoffs only once, right? Just last year. If I have yep. that right. Yeah. Miss, miss the playoffs only once. Yeah. Be tears. given in inordinate amount of capital to trade at the start because of, and this isn't because the NHL rigged the draft for Vegas. Let's be very clear with that. They didn't. This was because stupid GMs did stupid things at the expansion draft. So they had an inordinate, uh, inordinate amount of assets to turn around and trade, and they were aggressive with them. It sucked because for three, four years, it felt like a big name would pop up in trade rumors. Oh, he's in Vegas. 
Oh, Max Pacioretty is finally getting traded. Oh, he's Vegas. Stone's getting moved. Vegas. Jack Eichel. Vegas. Oh, man. Just. But when that wall hits, they're, they're going to hit it hard because they have no future right now. No prospects to speak of. Nothing brewing like that. But at the end, doesn't matter if you win a cup. No, I say, I mean, that's, that's what it's all for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Do you think another GM or another team tries to take that approach? And, and yes, we we know Vegas had more assets to work with than most teams generally would. Um, but the difference between kind of what Vegas did and what other teams have done is like Boston this year, they go out and they basically give up a bunch of draft picks and they look for this one run coming off of an unbelievable season where they add Orlov and Bertuzzi and Hathaway. And they add all these guys on one year contracts as rentals and they give up assets to do it where Vegas, they did a, they basically had an extension in place with stone because Ottawa gave them permission to talk to him that when that trade was made, Stone was already here for or in Vegas for eight years. Um, they basically had the same scenario with Pacioretty. Um, uh, it was kind of foregone that Jack Eichel was going to sign, and, or that Jack Eichel was already signed and going to be in Vegas long term. Um, a lot of the the targets that they acquired, they weren't rentals, and we don't see that often because I a you don't see a lot of those guys come up all the time, but B, a lot of teams, they worry about the risk involved in giving up assets for a player for, you know, four, six, eight years, but Vegas just won a cup doing it. So do do we see at least one other team maybe try and do something similar? And look at what Vegas was able to do despite some of those risks coming through. Pacioretty is broken and was broken the last two years, but they were able to pawn him off for nothing. Um, And that sounds so cold-hearted, but it's what they did, and that's what Vegas has been, is they've been cold-hearted when it comes to decisions like this. And and just to point this out Vegas didn't hit a home run on everything I think they gave up a first second and third for Thomas Tatar and he he did not work in Vegas at all well you know there's they did miss there is risk there and not only that we're we're applauding the Pacioretty trade but at the end of the day Pacioretty wasn't here when they won a cup and they gave up Nick Suzuki for him you know, the first-line center for the Montreal Canadiens, Nick Suzuki. That's an incredible player to give up for a guy that wasn't here. Uh, Yeah, I have strong feelings about Nick Suzuki. He is a first-line center for the Montreal Canadiens the same way, I don't know, Barrett Hayton's a first-line center here. I'm, I'm not... We just had a debate two months ago where I was debating someone was better than Nick Suzuki, and you fought me tooth and nail on that. I I did. I think Nick Suzuki is a fantastic play driver. No, no, no. It didn't change. I think Suzuki's a fantastic play driver. 
but I think he's missing a lot. But and I I do think that's a a big a big thing when it comes to can he be a first line center? Yes, in the future. However, but as of what? right now, it it hasn't hasn't been the worst thing. Guess what? He wouldn't be the first line center on uh, Vegas because who is? Well, Jack Eichel and yeah, I mean you're not there. There's what five centers in the league right now that you might take over him and and the way he played in the playoffs playoff jack all right i i gotta get this out of the way i hate vegas so much like more than more than guacamole i hate vegas (laughs) but my god was eichel fun to watch like so he had he he showed up and played at like a level that i don't know you you wonder is that what you're going to get out of him? In, and this was the first time Eichel had been in the playoffs. Never made the playoffs in Buffalo. Ends up in Vegas last year, and they missed the playoffs. So this is his first time in the playoffs, and he led everyone in points. So I hate Vegas, too. Just uh, regional rivals, all of that that goes into it. But I cannot hate two players on that team. Eichel and Marchesol. I'm happy those two players won, but Vegas is just uh They're insufferable. That's that, that's that's really what it is. Like it's not like they're like Seattle fans are really cool. Like Seattle fans are really cool. Seattle's cool. Like I have no issue with them, even though they're kind of like a regional whatever. Un- unless you're a football fan. That's true. I will say that Seahawks fans are insufferable, but yeah, I mean it, it just they're like the whole like Waited six year long years like they 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 play into it, which I I guess I mean that's good for the front office. It sells more jerseys, I guess, but yeah, definitely a little insufferable there. Well, on that end, I don't give them shit for it because we would too. I mean, yeah, we would too. I mean, if we were the bully yeah. team like that, we would too. I'm just saying, yeah, but I'm not, so I can say, hey, that's annoying. Even though I would do it, but it's just. There's also the fact that we should be regional rivals and divisional rivals, and we're not. For two reasons. One, we've just never been on the same level. And two, why aren't we in the same division? Oh, just And that's really what gets me. It's like, why are we not in the Pacific or West or what do they want to call it? Like, why are we not in that? That makes no that's something I'll never understand. I truly will never understand that. But hey. That's, you know, being a Coyotes fan, kind of just uh, the FedEx so, head of the NHL. Before before we move on, mm-hmm. uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about with this. I was perfectly fine with it because his Stanley Cup finals was just out of this world. He was amazing in them. But did anyone else have an issue with March of Soul over Eichel or Aiden Hill for the Consmyth? No. Okay, mm-hmm. over Aiden Hill, not a... I, the fact that Aiden Hill got votes for the Smythe bothered me. You you don't get to not play in the first round and then come in halfway through the second round and be a Smythe contender unless you're Peter Forsberg. I'm sorry, you, you have to be... He wasn't even the best goalie throughout the playoffs. Like you, don't, you don't get to be a, a Smythe guy at that point. And he played well. I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I think he played 
out of his mind in the finals. Um, but I don't think he was a superstar in the in the conference finals. Um, and he he had a, a decent finish to what would that be like the divisional round. So, uh, yeah, I I think he played well, but I I hate all of the Aiden Hill deserved it. He really didn't. He not not based on four games. I personally think it should have been Eichel over Marshall Soul because I think Eichel had a much steadier playoff. Um, but the fact that Marshall Soul led all players in goals, um, he had a point in what twelve straight games to finish the playoffs out for Vegas. Um I, and and it was something ridiculous, like eighteen points in that span, like eleven goals and seven assists or something. Um, he's he's a big reason they won, and it wasn't just you know the the fluff points that you get here and there. He opened the scoring in quite a few games, and everybody knows the team that scores first, they're gonna win what sixty two percent of the time or something. That's that's league average or whatever. So that's that's big. So yeah, I I get why he won it. I think it should have been Eichel because Eichel's defensive play. I think I think that's what separates the two. Point wise, offensive wise, you know they they both had a great playoff, but Eichel was phenomenal on the defensive side. I will say. One of the biggest reasons I love March Soul's playoffs so much is it's actually related to the draft upcoming here. Um, if you don't know, Zach Benson was one of my favorite prospects in this upcoming draft. I love this kid. I would take him in a heartbeat. Um, but there's a prospect writer, Corey Pronman, who likes to say, well, what if he is just a uh, Jonathan Marchesol and not a Kirill Kaprizov? And so watching Marchesol have the playoffs he had as that comparison is the one he's trying to use as why he shouldn't go that high. Just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I get that. But the flip side to that is like when the Bruins won, what was it? Tim Thomas was the reason they won. And Tim Thomas was a great goalie, but he was never uh, a Vesna winner. He was he wasn't like Oh well, yeah, but we're also You you get yes, one year for one year if you need that and Marshall had that for one year this year. But I mean if if Zach Benson's a fifty to sixty five point player, eh, and that's what Marshall is. I am again, I'm so happy for him. But I gotta disagree with you on that point, Grandy. You know, one point I do know, like one thing I know with the absolute certainty is Aiden Hill's getting the fattest bag. Whether he deserves it or not is not the point, but he's going to get one. Someone's going to pay that boy. He's going to get a fat bag. Yeah, and, and you got to know it's not going to be Vegas because they've got Logan. No. Or, uh, yeah, Logan Thompson had a fantastic season, but they've also got... Um, oh, my God. Robin Leonard. Thank you, Robin Leonard. All I could think of was Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and, and it sounds like, according to Elliot Friedman, they are heavily prioritizing Ivan Barbashev. I and who wouldn't? I mean, he had a fantastic series. Did all the little things right. He was he, he, he stood out. 
in a big way. He was. It's hard to believe because he's just not the name you expect to see on it. But he was the third cog in that Eichel Marchesol line, and he did his job enormously. He fought all the puck Do you battles. Think he, was he was underutilized in St. Louis. Like, yeah. is is Barbashev right now a product of where he's at? Or was he just underutilized in St. Louis, and now what he does is kind of coming to light? I almost want to say he's underutilized in St. Louis because when St. Louis made their cup run, as a third liner on that team, he was huge. It's just this guy shows up to play whenever whenever you need him to. All right. Well, let's uh, you know, transition. To- to oh, go ahead. I think... Mm, how do I phrase it? I think Florida has a chance of coming back before Vegas gets uh, comes back. I think uh, I think I'm still kind of high on the Cats, and maybe it's just the uh, the Kool Aid they made me drink before the playoffs. But I think I think well, Florida comes back first. One thing on that note, one thing I do want to bring up is what people forget about Florida when they're talking about him or about them. Is oh well, they wouldn't have made it this far if they had if uh, Bobrovsky didn't go off. Bobrovsky wasn't really supposed to be their starting goalie going into the playoffs. If uh, we don't know why he checked himself into it, that's between him and the NHLPA. But if Spencer Knight was not in their, uh, I can't remember the name of the program, but their relief program essentially. He probably would have been the starter going into the playoffs. Spencer Knight is an incredible goalie prospect and has had flashes of brilliance. And they could have turned to him when it was clear Bobrovsky didn't have it in the Stanley Cup Finals. And that is a piece that they will have back next year. It has already been confirmed he will be back next year. So Florida didn't turn to Alex Lyon down the stretch at all in the finals, despite the fact that Bob was having a rough go. And even the, was it game four against Carolina? I think he gave up like three on 26 in that game or something like that. So his final six games, just they weren't great. Do you disagree with Florida's reluctance to go back to Alex Lyon uh, in game five? I don't. For me, when it's a guy like Alex Lyon who had, what, 20 total NHL games played before the playoffs, putting him in in a win-or-go-home game five of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah. So oh, my, that, is, my that would be an incredibly tough, gutsy call to make. My, mm-hmm. my case in point to argue that would be that Alex Lyon won – what, like nine out of 10 games um, out of Florida's final 10 games to get them into the playoffs. And they just squeaked in like he, they had to win all of those games down the stretch. He was the guy that won him. He was the reason they got to the playoffs. So it it's not one of those scenarios where it's like, well, do you, don't you, you know, he's, has he ever played in these big games? He basically played, 14 playoff games to end the year in the regular season because they needed to win to get in. 
and he did that for him. Yeah, but when Bobrovsky had the playoff run he had, and outside of the Stanley Cup Finals in four games in this year's playoffs, he was incredible. I would argue he wasn't all that great against Boston. Well, it's two of the if you're like I, I said, mean, that, that's that's half of the games he played. To me, he was lights out in eight games, five against Toronto and and three against Carolina, and he was bad in well, not bad, but he wasn't good in one game against Carolina, five games against Vegas, and four games against Boston. I don't know. I I guess to me, I I think at some point you go down three one, you have to have that discussion about. I'm know, sure they had. I'm sure they had that discussion. Oh yeah. I can't imagine they didn't have that discussion. But having that discussion and actually putting them in net is two completely different things. Yeah, I I get it. I I guess I just don't. You also. You I didn't, also have I didn't the see anything that, about, yeah, we're considering, we'll let you know who our starter is, day of game, whatever. Florida kind of stuck with, you know, if our guys are good to go, they're going to go. And that's a, that is a questionable thing with their coach. And that's something that has followed Paul Maurice around from stop to stop to stop is almost too much loyalty to his guys. But in this situation, what's the chances Lion is playing a major role for the Panthers next year with Knight back and Bobrovsky back? I I don't think it matters in terms of what happened in the Stanley Cup, though. I mean, what are the odds that Aiden Hill is going to be back with Vegas and he won a cup? So, but who was who was Vegas going to turn to? No, no, but that my my point is, is he also my point is his- what Alex Lyon means to Florida next year means absolutely nothing to what Florida should have done in the Cup final. Yeah, that, it's just like I said, you have a goalie like Alex Lyon who is unproven, and yeah, he had that great stretch at the end of the year, but how many times do we see rookie goalies come in? and dominate, leading their team on a great stretch like Andrew Hammond did for the Senators a while back and then completely fall apart because it just it's not sustainable. Teams figure them out. I, I don't disagree with teams like figuring said, them out. I'm, it, I'm 100%. It would be an incredibly gutsy call, and that's just... Yeah... I don't know. I I don't know that it's that gutsy of a call when you know you're the guy that you've started gave up I want to say what, 17 goals through the first four games. I think they gave up what five I think he gave up four, four, three, and five, and then he got pulled in the game that he gave up five. I don't know. Either either way, to me, it's 
uh, if if your starter's given up an average of four through the first four games, you got to consider making that switch. I don't think it's that gutsy of a call at that point. I think it's a gutsy so, call if you're down three one in the series and every game's been three to two and you're trying to spark your team and you go, we're gonna we're gonna let him so, start because we want players to play in front of him a different way. We're trying to get something different out of the team, but I think it's it's different when I we've talked about it on the show before. Goalies are voodoo. They they, they go on streaks and good streaks last and bad streaks come in and bad streaks last and then you know they'll flip. But when you're in the midst of a bad streak, to me, I, I don't care what game it is, if it's an elimination game for you and you got a guy who hasn't played well in, in five straight, I'm going I'm going to somebody else. Uh, because if nothing else, even if he played as bad as Bob did, you might get the team to play differently in front of him and the team needed help. Yeah, I'd probably make the same mistake. I probably would have stuck with Bob too. Just, I mean, I know that like my head says, you know, that is the smarter thing to do is give you know him a chance, but I'd probably stick with Bob. Just hoping he gets that magic again. That's probably why I would have lost the Stanley Cup though. So, but I, I recognize mean, that. Let's but let's also be real here though too. The way they played that last game, it wouldn't have mattered who was in. Yeah, next. that was a flop, man. It was it was very quickly not it a was, game. It was bad defense. It was bad goaltending. It was horrendous offense. It was just yeah. They're ready to go home and golf. They're they were ready. They, it was it was a wrap after that. What like the four, four to one or five to one? I was like, yeah, it's a wrap. This is yeah, it's over. But uh, one topic of discussion that kind of came about in the uh, you know hockey Twitter sphere there is player injuries. You know, we had Kachuk City play with a freaking broken sternum, which to me I can't imagine playing hockey or any sport with a broken sternum, but here we are. So I guess at one point, boys, do you, do you think sacrifice the body for glory is too much? I mean, I, my, my, my thing about it is if I had to, you know, give my piece is I think to a certain extent, you, you do have to let the players play. I think of a players, you know, they recognize the risk. I think that and I know you're supposed to look out for them. They may not know what's best for them. You know, they're young typically, but at the same time, I think a player knows you shouldn't be playing on a broken foot or a torn, whatever broken, whatever. I think the player understands the risks and fully is like, yep, I know, I know, but this is the Stanley cup playoffs. I mean, I'd have a hard time tell them. No, I know it's not for the best interest, but same time, they the know this. I know for the thing I will say about that though, is if you're talking about you should, you shouldn't, <sighs> Players should have their autonomy too, yes. But right now, Florida is talking about legitimately missing four players at the start of next year, largely because they played on these injuries. So you're hurting your team next season too by continuing to play on it. But what if they wanted to send the cup while playing on it? What if they would say Florida did but, win it and they did play? What would that be? But would you think differently they, if they missed the beginning they of the year? But I'm saying what for the sake of argument, what if they did? Yeah. Then does it matter then? So it's cool because they want to stand the cup and not to put an injury. So I, I agree with you here, Tyler. Um, this kind of goes back to is Bob's contract worth it if they win a Stanley Cup? Well, if you win a Stanley Cup, everybody that played on those injuries, it was worth it because 
if we're being real here, how many opportunities does a team have to win a Stanley Cup? And if you're a player on that team and your timeline on that team is five to seven or five to eight years, if you're a core player, that's how long your window likely is on that team. How many opportunities do you get to win a Stanley Cup? Most guys might play for one cup in their entire career. I mean, there's guys like Crosby who, you know, are going to play in every year. They're going to play for multiple Stanley Cups. You know, that happens. But you look at guys like McDavid. I mean, would anybody be upset if McDavid finally makes a final, is hurting in a big way and plays through it? The guy is the best player we've seen since Wayne Gretzky. And he's coming out. I I don't want to say coming out of his prime years, but he's not approaching them anymore. This this is going to be peak McDavid for a couple more years, and he's still going to be great. But you know how many how many opportunities did he get nine years in? None. He hasn't even been to the conference finals yet. So I don't like the fact that Kachuk played with a broken sternum. I, I think that's that's the type of injury that you just say, look, you can't do it. That's a, a very dangerous one to play with. But a broken foot for Ekblad, mm, I'm but okay with that's, that. Those aren't the injuries I'm arguing against. I'm arguing against the Kachuk, who made it worse by playing on it. Or uh, who is the other guy? Brandon Montour called it. We talked about how he disappeared the last several games, right up until that last game. Ironically, well, it's because he was dealing with what was it, the torn labrum torn that labrum. just progressively got worse. Sure, but how many opportunities does he have to play again? And and the reality is, if he, we don't know when he tore his labrum. I mean, it could have been in the Carolina series, for all we know and he played five extra games on it instead of getting surgery right away, and it delays the start of his season a week and a half or two weeks more than it would have. So I, there's, there's a lot to be said about playable injuries that aren't necessarily dangerous, even though they're going to be painful and you, you, know, you, you really consider getting them taken care of right away. But... I, to me, the Kachuk one's a little bit dangerous, especially when they're talking about he couldn't tie his own skates and put his own gear on, and you're going to go out there and take hits at full speed. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense I, to pull for know, that, yeah. But outside of, of Matthew Kachuk, I don't mind Ekblad playing on a broken foot. Uh, Nachushkin did it last year. Eric Carlson famously did it when he basically dragged Ottawa to the Eastern Conference Finals on a broken foot. Um, you know, that, that's the type of injury we've seen in the past. Um, Patrice Bergeron famously playing with broken ribs and, you know, a separated shoulder. Uh, apparently one of the broken ribs had collapsed his lung at one point and he played through it when Boston won a cup. You know, there's, there are those things that you're kind of like, man, should he have played? I love the fact that the NHL has got concussion spotters looking at, at everybody now. Um, I, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but it was, uh, Maurice Richard that they just found had like stage three CTE at the time of his death. Yeah. And that, that was, that that is one thing. 
doesn't matter to me if you have a concussion. You, you're not playing because the thing with a concussion is a second one while you're still suffering from the effects of a concussion that ruins your life. That doesn't just affect your team down the future. That doesn't just, and no player is going to think clearly in this matter because everyone's going to want to play for the cup. Everyone's going to say, Oh, it's just a concussion. I can play through it because I've done that at work. Oh, I, I've just, I've had concussion gone into work stupidly because, Oh, they need me. I can't call in sick. So no player is going to do it, but with a concussion, you're, the brain is such a fragile, fragile thing, man. Yeah, you, I mean, I've suffered a major concussion playing lacrosse, and I, there's parts of years I don't remember. So yeah, I definitely would say a concussion, yeah, get off the ice. Sternum breaking, yeah, get off the ice. Even broken ribs, I mean, like you said, collapsing a lung, it's like, man, you just get that one hit from that one guy, and that's it. I mean, those, I understand, but like as Matt perfectly said, like broken foot, hands hurting, whatever, those are definitely okay. So, I mean, I do understand that. So, do you yeah. guys think that the NHLPA should look at, or even the league itself, well, the league itself wants players to play because players playing sells tickets, it, you know, it gets people to tune in. But do you think at some point the NHLPA should step in and say, look, these injuries aren't going to fly anymore? You know, a team, do- an independent doctor has to give <laughs> players clearance, no longer just a team doctor for, you know, this list of, of dangerous type injuries. You guys think that that's the route that it should go? I I, I want to say, it's the thing is I'm torn because I can imagine me with the broken foot being like, nope, I'm good. I'm skating up. I'm going. I'm I, I can't imagine it. a broken foot ends up being on that list. I, I'm yeah. talking about. But it's like, like, yeah, but it's like a big like head injury. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially independent doctor. I'd feel especially good about independent doctor ruling. And I, and I think that's already ruling with concussions. But I oh, yeah, mean, sure. like, you know, uh, in, like in Matthew Kachuk's case, case oh, should, yes. should an independent doctor have had to clear him? Yes. 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 The other thing. Or something like that, thing, yes. The other thing we've seen lately with NHL players is massive issues post playing career with painkillers. This stuff isn't, this stuff isn't an easy road to navigate for anyone. Um, none of these issues are easy. Getting more eyes on it, even if it's, it's, it's just, it's always going to be a good thing. So I do think hundred percent. You should get an independent doctors in here to check them out, especially independent. Because I guess the team doctors. I mean, we've already seen. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, he's good. Screw it. You know, they're kind of at under the thumb of the owner and you know the rest of that. Yeah, independent doctor. I think that'd be good as much as the NHL yeah, would probably hate it. So, yeah. All right. Well, last question. I guess we know. Vegas is probably they're they're starting to get a little little older. They're a little banged up, you know. Marshall thirty two, Stone's gonna have back issues for a long time. Florida, uh, they they're not quite as loaded as they was were two years ago when they won the President's Trophy, but they do have a little bit of cap space to work with. Um, who's if if either of those teams gets back to a cup, who gets back first? 
Honestly, I think it's Florida. That's what um, I said, yeah. I think it's Florida. Stone. I know everyone likes to say that Stone was not really injured, but he was. He may have been ready before the end of the season, but he was really injured. And this is the second year in a row he's missed with these back injuries. I, I think this Elliot is- Friedman came out today and said something to the extent that Mark Stone is going to be in and out of games basically for the rest of his career, um, yep. that he was severely injured even as the playoffs went along and that, you know, he'd be surprised if he ever plays a full season again. Yeah, I, I, between that, between they're going to have to, Vegas doesn't have cap space. They are going to have to lose somebody. They're going to have to lose uh, several key pieces more than likely. Um, and the only player that they have that's really in their prime is Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel and Shea Theodore. That's really it among their core players. Everyone else is on the wrong side of 30, and you're going to start to see decline. Um, whereas Florida, Florida has several players still in their prime. Barkov, Kachuk. They have, like I said, young up-and-coming goalie Spencer Knight, who should be able to take the reins from Bobrovsky here soon. They have... Um, how, how amazing! How amazing is it? That, Thirty. How amazing is it that Brandon Montour essentially just took the role of Mackenzie Weger and basically made that loss almost nothing for them? It really is amazing because I thought that that loss was going to be what really did Florida in this year because they didn't, yeah, didn't. Everybody knew Kachuk was every bit as good as Huberto. And was that option long term? But yeah, Uyghur was the one that probably hurt because he he outplayed Ekblad in uh, quite a few ways. Um, you know, two years ago. So and great one thing, Montour. real quick, I want to talk about with Florida because this has been pissing me off. Is this narrative? Because Leaf fans have to turn everything into their into their thing. And it is really frustrating to me with Barkov. Oh, look at his stats. If a Leafs guy did that, do you know how much shit he'd get? Dude, Barkov, shut down Sebastian Ajo. Barkov, shut down Austin Matthews. Barkov, shut down every center he played against outside of Jack Eichel. Just, no. End of story. Doesn't matter his scoring. Doesn't matter his stats. I just had to get that off my chest. Sorry. Fair enough. Yeah, well. I agree with you guys. It's Florida to me. The The big thing that they have going for them that Vegas doesn't have is Florida's got probably... And the cap hasn't risen yet. If the cap stayed exactly the same, they've got about $11 million in cap space right now. And they're not losing a single core piece. They don't have a single core piece that needs to be re-signed this season. So that space is there. Radko Gudis might be the best player that they have that's a free agent right now. So let me ask you this, boys. With that eleven million in cap space, you just lost a Stanley Cup. What do what do you do this offseason? What's your plan? What would you do? If you're the GM of the Florida Panthers, what do you do? What's your move? You gotta trade because I the this season, this free agency class, 
is crap. I Dmitry Orlov's in such a phenomenal position because he's probably the best free agent available. And I don't think he's that valuable. He's a fantastic second pair guy, a low end, maybe first pair guy, but he's going to cash in in a big way. So if you're Florida, the biggest thing you have to avoid is making the mistake of going out, thinking you're going to take one of the top five guys on everybody's free agency board and that you're making the biggest splash to put you back into that position because whatever you're getting isn't going to make you significantly better. If you're Florida, Take that cap space. I know you don't have a ton of assets that you can trade, but take that cap space and go out and find somebody that's available via trade and add somebody that way. What I'm doing, what I'm doing, if I'm Florida, the biggest area that really got exposed to me in the Stanley Cup finals was Florida's bottom two lines. They just could not, could not hang at all in any way shape or form with Florida or Vegas's bottom two lines. I'm going out and I'm adding depth pieces. I'm adding players that can step up. Um if when these injuries happen versus having to have these players play through these injuries because of that. Um I'm looking like Matt said, there should be guys out there who are poachable via trade that other teams may not be looking at because they're not the sexy name. They're not the star name, but that's not what Florida needs. They have star power. They need to go out and they need to add some depth pieces. Now, would you say the buyout market be a good place for that at all? I know that's coming up, what, tomorrow? Right? I think it starts tomorrow. Today. Today. Yeah, it was today. Okay. That's right. Um, it depends on names that are bought out. There's only been one so far. But it all depends on the names that are bought out. But it is usually, yeah, it is usually a very good place to find. Because what often happens is players get looked at as bad because they made too much money. Um, and buyouts fixes that. They're not making too much money. All of a sudden, they're making the money that they should be for their role. And... You can play them the role that you need, that they can play best in, and oftentimes you will see a career resurgence out of these guys that were given up on. I am, um, for instance, OEL was bought out today in the big news. Go, go figure. Yep. I'm very much in favor of the Coyotes going out and adding OEL because he'd be a great third pairing depth guy defenseman. That's a great locker room presence. And maybe Florida should be looking at him too for the same reasons. But you get these guys for cheap. And yeah, that is definitely, definitely an avenue that they should explore. What about you, Matt? What do you think about the buyout that just started today? Uh, do you see any targets on there for either Florida or maybe even the Coyotes? I mean, with OEL, I wouldn't mind seeing him back in Arizona. Um, I know he's not everybody's favorite player anymore. But we've we watched it with Ghost. We we've seen it with quite a few players. The the giant leap Clayton Keller took. OEL never played with Bear. Tockett was fired. Bear was brought in. I think Bear actually flew to Sweden to meet with OEL over the off season, and then OEL was traded like two weeks later. So oh yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I 
do wonder what that would have done for his career because OEL went to Vancouver. He got what one year of Bruce and then yep. Tockett was back. Yeah, I know and definitely him and Tockett didn't get along. So no, so yeah. it, it he's he's on the wrong side of his prime as well. Um, but like like Randy said, a third pair defenseman, you know, maybe on the second power play unit. Um uh, he could rack up some points, you know, especially if he just takes over the role that Ghost played. And, you know, he that that's all you ask from him. Put him with somebody like Mosier, Valamaki, um even Soderstrom would probably be a great one. I I don't know what it is about Swedes playing together, but they they generally make good pairings. They do well together. So and that that gives you OEL on the left side and Soderstrom on the right side. You you actually get guys playing their correct position. I wouldn't mind seeing it, and I'd be willing to bet a contract for OEL probably comes in in the range of two million, maybe. Some somebody's going to take a chance with him if he wants to stay here, but you know he could just as easily go back to Sweden. This buyout, I think, still pays him twenty two million over the next eight years. Uh, he's not hurting for money. He doesn't need another NHL contract. So, yeah, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing him here, but I actually wonder if if he actually makes the decision to play another year in the NHL, especially when his two his only two preferred destinations when Arizona was trying to move him were Vancouver and Boston, and Boston didn't have the cap space and they still don't. They're they're trying to figure out how they're going to re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi. They're probably going to have to trade somebody, most likely Taylor Hall. Um they're they're in a position where OEL probably couldn't go there without taking league minimum and I think he'd go back to Sweden before that. Um Vancouver just bought him out and that kind of leaves Arizona. You know, as far if if you read into the no trade clause and those being the only three cities he wanted to be in. I would welcome it as much as the, I wasn't a big fan of him towards the end of his career there. I'll admit that. But I think with Bear, and I think if he is going to do one more year in the NHL, I think a victory lap where he started, I think is a pretty good fitting end for him if he does decide to do that, like you're saying. So he'd give us a veteran presence. The fans like him. I think the fans could use it too. Uh, and I hope that's not a hot take. I, I hope not. But I think... A familiar face like that might bring some goodwill. I know ownership right now isn't probably viewed the best thanks to the vote last month, but, or was it? No, I had none before. No, yeah, last month. I don't know. I thought it was July for some reason. Um, so I kind of wonder. So we've talked about the Clayton Keller timeline in the past, and, mm-hmm. and Keller wants to know kind of what direction they're heading. Does bringing OEL back maybe buy them a little more time? bring back I, a familiar I, teammate. I think so. I think that so. That was actually personally. a point I made in, I wrote an article about this very thing about how I think the Coyotes should go after him. That is a point I made in it is that OEL and him were reportedly close because OEL is a freak guy in the locker room. Say whatever you want about his play on the ice. He is a fantastic guy in the locker room. And I think that would help OEL to bring back that familiar face to bring back the guy he looked up to his first couple of years here because he wore the C. Yeah, I really do think that would be huge for him. And Granny, you can catch that on the InsideTheRink.com, right? Absolutely. 
And you can also check out if you're missing NHL games for next season, or even if you want to watch some Premier Lacrosse League, whatever is your kind of fancy there, you can go to insidetherink.com slash ESPN and sign up for an ESPN Plus, the number one spot to watch NHL hockey. So with that out of the way, thank you. So before we move into the next topic, I did want to bring something up. And that is you can also watch Cubs games on ESPN Plus. The absolute larceny that is the OEL trade. That trade tree, what we turn those picks into is Dylan Gunther with the first. We traded the second to Minnesota for Jack McBain. And we traded the seventh to I don't even know the team. And it doesn't really matter because we traded that seventh for a seventh round pick in the draft that was currently running for Sam Lipkin. You're talking about two guys that are already producing for this team and will be full-time NHLers next year. And one guy who has done nothing but rise to the ranks since drafting him. And just won an NCAA title. Yeah. That is incredible handiwork. Incredible handiwork. That's why I drink the GMBA Kool-Aid. And on the other side of that, we, we talked about the OEL buyout. Vancouver's actively, actively shopping Connor Garland, trying to get his contract off the books as well. Pretty desperate, actually. That sucks. I like Connor Garland as a person and a player, but I'm I am i am also in favor of bringing him back. Yeah, I think um, right now would be good. Yeah, I'm he not really something. in favor of bringing Garland back. I am well, more so not just for his play, but also just I think I think right now the fans need a goodwill. He was a popular player. They were sad to see him go. I think. Even if it was just for that superficial reason, I think it's a good play, personally, in my book. We could use it all I'm, right now. I mean, it's pretty bleak over here. I'm saying I'm saying it for the pick compensation we'd get in return. You could probably jump up to 11 from 12, swap first-round picks with him. I know that's only one pick, but then you could also get picks on the back end of that, too, whether that's a third or a second rounder in the future. My my problem well, with it is Garland played well here. He played very well with Keller and Schmaltz. And granted, Bear probably doesn't put Schmaltz in the middle and and create that short leash line again. But that that might produce four or five more wins than you want it to, especially if if those guys click the way they did. And now I, Garland never played with this Clayton Keller. This Clayton Keller is something else. Better. He's so, better than he was before. Yeah, I mean, Keller so, Keller's last year with Garland, he had, what, 44 points in, like, 70 games or something like that? It was the last COVID-shortened season. I, I, think, I think that becomes a problem, winning too many games, bringing Garland back at that point. And I don't think that the return makes it worth – potential losses in draft position next year. No, because to me, the only way it's worth it is I think Vancouver is pretty locked into going. If he's there, Tom Willander. And if you're really, really, really into Tom Willander, then it's worth it. I'm for it. I wouldn't mind it if they did it, but like he's the, yeah, it, there's reasons for and against it. On a, sticking, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, sticking with the Coyotes and bringing in, you know, uh, maybe not just former players, but um, 
a little better than the Nick Bukestad type guys. Uh, Frank Cervalli, Cervalli, excuse me, talked a little bit today about how he was hearing grumblings that the Coyotes might be changing course because of the vote that we talked about. Uh, you know, they lost the Tempe vote. He thinks that there's a reason the Coyotes could become buyers. You need to put a product on the ice, maybe to reaffirm your fans, your casual fans, and maybe some of the cities that you're looking at within the greater Phoenix area that you're not just looking to, you know, throw anybody out on the ice so that you can have your sports book that you want to be competitive. So do you guys buy that? Do you think I, there's a legitimate chance the Coyotes could go out and spend in free agency or trade a few assets to bring a couple of established NHLers in? If I can go, I, I think I think that is a completely I don't know, a fair point. I think it makes a lot of sense. It really does. Uh, I the position we're in is not a good one. To be honest, that's what I was kind of talking about, like bringing Garland back. Oh, yeah, I think that would kind of show some, yeah, you know, fans, hey, but the casual fans, they spend money. You know, I think a lot of them don't, and this is no fault to them or no no disrespect to anybody, they don't follow as closely as, say, we do and other Coyotes, you know, diehards. So they don't really, they see just a bad hockey team. They don't necessarily see, we're bad for this. Like our plan, here's our roadmap. They just see the bad team and like, oh, well, they're terrible again. They're terrible. I think even... Uh, Sarah Belli, or however you pronounce it, forgive me if I got that wrong, I was saying, like, wow, they're actually going to try and be good or whatever. He had some snide comment like that. So I think that he, I, I could see, I wouldn't be surprised. I would hope that GMB would do it smartly. I do trust him, but I hope that we don't jump the rebuild or, you know, end the rebuild in quotes too early and then just stay mediocre. I, I'm afraid of that more than anything, to be honest. It almost is starting to feel like it's. A core event, the Coyotes, and ending rebuilds too soon. So that's my biggest thing with this. Is I really feel again to echo Tyler's point: ending the rebuild now is the wrong way to go about it. But what you can do is find some buy low options that may not impact the overall wins, but give you a better team to watch on the ice mm-hmm. while being able to slide down roles and play instead of a top six role this upcoming season, slide down and play the third line role in a year or two when our prospects start coming up. There's some bylow candidates out there with some really intriguing names to me that uh, are out on the market. I was taking a look at some guys that are reported to be shopped and shopped relatively cheaply. And uh, I don't know if you guys know much about him, but Igor Serengovich of the New Jersey Devils is a guy that sticks out to me as a by-low candidate who's coming off of... This year, he didn't have the best year, but the year before that, he had 24 goals and 22 assists in 70 games played. That's a pretty good season. Maybe he can go back to that. And then you have a guy that's either a trade chip at the deadline or slides down and plays a lower role as the prospects come up. Those are the kinds of moves I'm for doing because 
something Saravali did bring up on that podcast, or Gregor, not Saravali, something Gregor said on that podcast is, we have too many picks. And he's absolutely right, we do. We can't use all these picks because we're not going to be able to sign all these guys. And I don't think that was ever the plan was to use all these picks. But some nice, low-budget, not affecting the win total too much too early, that I'm perfectly fine with. That, I think, is a very realistic option this offseason. But this idea of we're going to try to compete, competing on the ice isn't going to do anything for a stadium. It's not going to accomplish anything with that. So I don't understand why those would be connected. And it goes against everything GMBA has said about how you can't just stop the rebuild because you had a smidgen of success, which this would be doing. So, but Matt, what's your thoughts on it? So I don't actually think it's stopping the rebuild. Um, I, I'm not thinking that they're going out and going, oh, Boston's looking to trade Taylor Hall. Let's bring Taylor Hall back. And, you know, acquiring those types of players and ending the rebuild in that sense. I think a big difference and something that doesn't get talked about often enough is rebuilding the right way is having a ton of dart throws and getting enough of them to work out until you've got a complete team. Um, the Coyotes have made so many picks in the last couple of years, and they have the draft capital to continue making those picks that I don't necessarily think you're ending the rebuild. Teams that generally end the rebuild too soon, um, or Coyotes teams in the past that have done it, um, you know, giving up a first for Taylor Hall, that and Kevin Ball as well. That was a mistake. That that's getting out of it too soon. You're only two and a half years into it. You've got a couple players playing really well. And then you make that mistake. Um I I think in this situation, it's not we're going out for the going after the biggest name. I think it's Kyler Yamamoto could have been a buyout cam- candidate. He could probably be had for next to nothing. I mean, there he's got some value. He would get signed if he was bought out. His contract's not terrible. I think it's only like $3 million a year. And he, I think he's only got like one year left on it. He's uh, I think he was the 18th overall pick in like 2016 or 2017 or something. Uh, not Not an old guy. You know, great potential guy to go out and get if he has a great season you add him to to the core that you build around and you go from there his acquisition cost might be a fifth round pick he he's got the draft pedigree he's got some relatively high potential you go out and get guys like that and i think that's where you look at maybe acquiring some nhl ready talent less so than going out and signing NHL minimum contracts and free agency. Nick Bukestad did fantastic here. That he probably revived his career here. But when they signed him, he was coming off of what, like a a eighteen point season where he was scratched half the time. That that's not the the going out and acquiring that I think 
Saravalli's talking about here. So I don't let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Why Yamamoto over a Sharon Govich? I I don't have anybody ranked in any kind of order. He was just one guy that came to mind. Um, I, the reason I bring that up though is because I looked at Yamamoto too as a name to bring up. Um, the the, the biggest thing, thing for Yamamoto is the acquisition cost. I Sharon Govich would cost you more to acquire. Um, I, He'd probably I, cost you a future second. Yeah, that's what my and, and I honestly I think with Yamamoto, Edmonton wants to dump that contract. They'll probably be happy pulling out with a a fifth round pick or something for him just to get him off the books at this point. Again, he he was potentially a buyout candidate. I think the only reason just, that that you get away with that is because you go, look, you don't have to buy him out even though your cap hits next to nothing, because I think it's it's a one-third buyout because of his age. Um, the the hit would be nothing, basically, for two years. You offer Edmonton a fifth-round pick for it, and they go, yeah, why not? I mean, it's better than getting nothing for him. I just don't, I just don't see Kyler as a GMBA type, I guess. Because the five again, again it's, it's not. Pounds. Yeah. Again, it's it's not one of those situations where I'm looking at him going, he's the guy that they need to go get. Um, there, there's a few guys out there that could potentially be that. Um, you know, maybe they look at Jordan Greenway, who's kind of not found a home anywhere. Kiefer Bellows, who hasn't really found a home anywhere. Um, you know, these high pedigree guys who probably aren't your 30-year-old veterans trying to sign the last deal that they're ever going to sign. Um, you find guys somewhere in the middle there. Um, maybe Brian Rust. He's a guy who has had some success in Pittsburgh who, you know, Pittsburgh's going to have some real serious cap issues here. He's played towards the bottom of their lineup, but he might play middle six in Arizona. And he might make them a little more competitive and his acquisition cost would be low. So I don't know that it's go out and trade away your future first and second round picks type of we're going to end the rebuild. I think it's we're going to stop trading for guys like Brian Little and start trading for guys who can help fill out a roster. Yeah. I hope we stop taking on dead contracts too. hope we stop. Yeah, and, up, and I think that's it. I think that's exactly it. I no think more that's, Nat Sukes and Marion Hosas. Like yeah, it's okay. We're gonna try and be competitive, and there's there's being competitive and being a playoff contender. They're two different things. Okay. Um, Ottawa was a competitive team, but they weren't a playoff contender. Like you, you can still be a competitive team without ruining your rebuild. You don't have to be what Arizona has been for three years now. So I, the reason that I don't look at Connor Garland as being one of those guys is two reasons. The contract cost almost 5 million a year. And secondly, just like Yamamoto, he's not an Armstrong guy. Aren't. And and the, the breakup was terrible there because Garland basically after he got traded was like, Arizona will never know what they could have had me for because they were never even willing to make me a contract offer. Um, you know, he he had some sour feelings in that. So He definitely uh, torched the bridge a little bit there, yeah. So, yeah, I 
not to not to disagree, Grandy, but I, I don't think they're necessarily saying ending the rebuild. I think they're saying you have to you have to find somebody other than Clayton Keller that draws fans in. And and I'm not talking about a high scoring guy. Look at somebody like Christian Fisher, huge fan favorite. People love to go watch Christian Fisher play. It's not because he's good. Honestly, if he's not in Arizona, he's probably in the AHL. No disrespect to Christian Fisher at all. I think he does a great job playing his role, but what makes him so lovable as a coyote is his personality, the you know locker room interviews that he does, the interviews that he does with the media. You can you can find ways to get those guys who are more productive, and you can kind of you build a culture, you build a community, you don't end the rebuild, and you put a better product on the ice. And I think, I think that's, that's what has to happen. I think I was about to say, I think that's probably the most important part. I think no more dead contract. It just doesn't look good. And especially to like a newer fan who doesn't really understand, they're like, wait, we have Marion Hosa. Well, no, we have his contract. In well, and it, it doesn't look good to potential cities that are going, well, you want to build a stadium here. You want to bring your team here. I, I get your sports book and your residential and your shopping center is going to make money. You're trying to build all of that around the idea that you want a team here, but what are you doing for the team that's going to sell the team to the fans and bring in revenue from games when you know your payroll, your actual physical spending is like $38 million. You've got so many dead contracts on the books that were front-loaded, that have already been paid, signing bonuses are gone, and you've got insurance picking up the tab on most of them. It looks bad to cities saying, are you guys serious? Yeah, uh, if, does, if, they're spending, sense, yeah. if they're spending $65 million of the $85 million, it's probably not as big of a deal because you're going, look, we're investing this money on people that we have here that are playing right now, but it looks really bad, especially when Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz make up like 13 of that 36 million. That's like 20, what, 26 million or uh, 23 million amongst 18 other guys is all you're spending. And it, it's also like Clayton Keller is great and I love him. Favorite player on the team right now, but he can only sell so many tickets. He can only sell a team in the city so far, as much as I love him. Same with Veggie, same with Schmaltz. I mean, the, it's the, time. the big thing though. We're talking about this, and what extra tickets are we selling next year? Adding anyone, we're going to sell I, out a forty-five hundred well, seat arena. Well, sure. that's not, I, I but, like, but, but to a city, though, to a city, if most cities are going to be smart enough to look at the long-term plan, to see the Logan Cooleys coming, to see the guys like this come and go. Okay, there's excitement coming. What about the fans? Stuff like I, this I'd be coming. willing to bet if you pulled the. Tempe City Council, two of the seven probably know who Logan Cooley is before if, if his name blew up playing for a, a national championship. I, those those guys aren't as invested. Their their job as city There's, officials is to look at what the potential revenue is, what the potential downside is, the risk that the city faces mm-hmm. making those deals. I don't think they're actually looking at it going, oh, this team might be good in five years because of the pieces they have. But you can look at all of that and go, oh, yeah, they might be good. They've got some potential guys. And then you look and go, well, they potentially had Max Domi. They potentially had, you know, 
Ekman Larson, they had, they had, they had, they had, and all these guys are gone because they didn't pay him. They had Connor Garland. He's gone. They had Jacob Chickering. He's gone. So I think you have to show you're willing to commit to your own team if you want a city to commit to you. I agree. That's, but, yeah, because I mean, like I said, it just looks bad, is, though. But I'm not saying acquire dead contracts. I've never said that. I'm just saying don't start the rebuild. Don't add needless wins onto next season because casual fans might get interested when casual so, fans in Arizona. So let me up. ask you this. How many, how many wins do you think a guy like Sean Monahan would add to the rebuild? Or would add to Zero, next season? But Sean Monahan's also broken. So Right. But Sean Monahan, if he plays 50 games but next sh- season, probably draws more fans from like the the Canadian snowbird market. Um, it probably bumps viewership he, up just a little bit. There, he's the type of player that when he's healthy and when he's playing, he improves your product on the ice Tyler, without Tyler, winning multiple Tyler, games. Mm-hmm. Tyler, mm-hmm. three years ago, what team did Sean Monahan play for? Without looking it up, I couldn't tell you. Heard the name, but I don't exactly. remember. Exactly. What is that? Tyler, have me? you lived in Arizona your whole life? Most of it, but not all of it. All right. Were you in Arizona three years ago? Uh, no, sir. I was in Texas. All right. When you were in Texas, did you hate Canada? Yes. Okay. That's why you don't know who Sean Monahan is. I think I, there, there's other oh, guys too. There's Jonathan Quick. There's Gustav Nyquist. Can you imagine all the Red Wing fans cool. that are in yeah, Arizona? Like, I, was, that would I got be excited. Like, I was like, hey, Gustav Nyquist. Like, okay. Hey. Yeah, Gustav yeah. Nyquist would be awesome to Drew. see. You know how many wins he's going to account for next season? Maybe one, two tops. I, again, you're talking about a guy who didn't even play this year outside of ten games before he got hurt again. But, the, but my, I see he's saying the name like so kind of like having like a, like a marquee. How many movies have you seen where you saw an actor you knew? You're like, even though you're like, eh, I'm not sure, but because he was in it, you're like, hey, I'll check that out. I like that guy from that movie. And and even though he only played those ten games. I promise. What Gustav team did he Nyquist, play those 10 games on? Uh, Columbus. Nope. Minnesota. Minnesota. Traded from Columbus to Minnesota. Excuse me. Yep. Um, either way, that guy but right that there. proves but, my point right there. But, but that no. point isn't that, oh, Nyquist played 10 games with Minnesota. You're trying to draw those Minnesota people in. There's a cult following of Red Wings fans. Minnesota guys in with Nyquist. No, you're not. But you're gonna draw. You're gonna draw Detroit fans in, and I don't know if you know this, but Arizona's lousy with Red Wings fans. They are everywhere. No, they are. So, but do you do you get to up viewership? Maybe not at games because they're already selling out. But do Red Wings fans tune into more Coyotes games because one of their all-time favorite Red Wings is playing here? With these, my point with these names you're bringing up is how are these buy names? How are these not the minimum contract names? The names that you've been bringing up are guys that haven't been good for two, three years. But they're their the name sells. Their name sells, though. It's the and, name. And I think, I think that's exactly what Sarah Wally's talking about. It's not Nick Bukestad. I don't think. Nobody, I, nobody anywhere really had an idea who he was. I there's didn't. a, there's a lot there's, of people that understand 
these guys, even if they're not great now, they were great. The min- the league minimum guy, Liam, Liam O'Brien and Travis Boyd and whatever, those are guys that they're bringing in that were never great once. And those are the kind of guys that they continue to sign in free agency to fill out their roster. Okay, here's what I'm not here's what I'm not understanding with the point you're trying to make. Is I'm not arguing against signing these guys. My point is these guys aren't the type of guys Frank Saravalli, who does know these guys, is going to be saying, Oh, they're looking at buying. He's not going to be saying it about these guys because he knows these guys are washed. Casual uh, fans? No, they won't. They'll hear the name. Calgary fans will hear the name Sean Monahan and go, oh my god, that guy was a 30-goal scorer. It doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter that it's 30 years ago. Or, I mean, not 30, Three years ago. But I'm not against bringing those guys in because that but, doesn't do anything. But the difference is, at wins, that doesn't do anything. But the difference is Sean Monaghan can still play. I'm against, he was nearly I'm, a point-per-game player in the games he did play in Montreal this year. Granted, it was a quarter of a season. But these guys, these are guys that can still but play. But these aren't the guys that... Don't, that these but the point the is, type Randy, of guys Sarah Avali would be saying were buying on. That's my point. I have no issue adding Sean Monahan. The Coyotes want to add Sean Monahan? Be my guest. Like I said, he does nothing. He's not going to be here long term. He's not going to be here when the rebuild's done. If anything, he builds a little Any, bit of value. Anybody that the Coyotes are buying right now is not going to be here when the rebuild's done. They're not going to be here when they're competitive. Odds are, anybody, nobody that they're buying but, is going to come in on an eight-year contract. And with that, we'll cover into my question of the week. Real easy, boys. I actually thought about this one on my drive uh, home. So, if you can take a, th- a tradition, a maybe something another team does besides the NBA All Star Draft, you cannot use that one. What tradition from other sports league doesn't matter the league would you take and put into the NHL? I can go first, Mister. I actually have mine picked out. Yeah, go ahead, because I right. I want an example. So one thing that I would take, well, I have two, actually, is I would like it when there's a winner of the Stanley Cup to have some kind of special thing. So the Premier Lacrosse League, they used to have just a crown above their logo on the back of the jersey, like the PLO logo of a crown. They changed it this year to the Water Dogs having like an actual like trophy with the PLO logo in it because they won the championship last year. Or it could be like I have my Germany kit here. It could be you know World Cup stars, or even I know Bundesliga and a lot of leagues will add stars per victory. So Germany won the World Cup four times, four stars. So I like to see maybe NHL. I know my Gordy Hauscher has the numbers he has his stars on there, but I love to see just you know Red Wings having what is it eleven, Montreal having however many, and having the stars some way of shape or form above their crest, or maybe on the back of the logo somewhere. I think it'd be pretty neat just to see, just to kind of brag and say, hey, you know, we, and unfortunately Vegas will have a star above their logo somewhere. So that'd one, be the thing. You take anything. On so, hmm. Can we remove original six trophies from that count? Because. Hmm. Oh, like back when they're the only six in, in the era? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I don't think so. Make I, them a different I, color, maybe? Because then, then you're going to have, 
debates the of which one counts. Post ninety five expansion or whatever, ninety three expansion, when there the used to be Cup. like twenty six teams, and teams are you know teams that just came in in the nineties are going to look and go, well, you know Edmonton won all their cups in the eighties, they shouldn't count because we weren't around then. So the I COVID cup, you don't get. I that think at some COVID. point you have to like. It's got to be an all or nothing thing. And I think that's why there's like in the cap era, this happened in the dead puck era. This happened post expansion. This happened. I guess at that point you could leave it up to the teams. Montreal wants to wear 27 stars to say they've won it 27 times. That's fine. If Vegas wants to come out and be like, yeah, ours are post, you know, 2016. Show me yours. Uh, you know they, they can they can do it however they want. But I I don't think so, you could take that from one team and go, it's not fair to us, so you can't do it. So Montreal really Canada. quick, does that mean does that mean Nashville gets added because oh, they're bad for their? Oh, what was it? Yes, yes, you know where I was going with that. Yeah, they're banners. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, they always did banners. Yeah, oh. mm-hmm. yeah. So I have one. It's not as this is Tyler. Something I've argued for in the past, and there is one NHL team that already does this. But I believe very strongly that we should be letting hockey players show their emotions, not not their emotions, their person. That's what I meant to say. Be a little bit more, and that, and I think they should absolutely have their own goal music like MLB players have their one songs. So when you score a goal in your cool. home arena, a song you pick plays. That'd be cool. I'd like that. Sabres started so I, to do it and it's pretty awesome. I love it. I don't necessarily know that there's any one thing I would bring in from another sport. Um, to me, I think the NHL's got quite a few of its own traditions that are are bigger and better than other sports. Um, things that you you just don't see in other sports, and they're they're not always on the ice, they're not always front and center. But a lot of teams do like the celebrity waiters thing. Hmm. I I don't know of any other sport that like puts their players front and center like that, and that the players really enjoy. Um, they they do all the different warm-up jerseys. There's there's so many things that the NHL already does that I that I think are better than any other sport. So I, I can't really look at another sport and go, that would be so cool to add to the NHL if the NHL did that. Because I think the NHL is already leagues ahead in terms of things like that. So oh. for me, it's nothing. I think the NHL needs to continue to be original and continue to find its own way to do things differently than everybody else. And if the NHL can keep doing that, I don't think they need to take anything from anybody else. Cause I don't think anybody else has done anything that spectacular. So can I add to this question, Tyler? Yeah, of course. Do you mind? Take one thing from the NHL to have every sport start doing. Oh, that's a cool. Mine's one. easy. Um, Mine's easy. Go ahead. The players get the trophy first. Hmm. 
let them do let the NBA players hoist it around before the owner gets to have his hands on it. Let the NFL players hand it to the captain first. They get a hand it to there. Just let's the NHL Stanley Cup celebration is the only trophy I will watch because it is the most watching those players skate around with a cup hoisting it above their heads is special. It's different. No other sport has that. And why not? Premier League. That's fine. That's not a real sport. Uh, very funny. It's the world sport, baby. It's like poker. The soccer does give place to poker first too. too. Yeah, they get the especially the Champions League. It's like on a pedestal thing. They all line up and it says champions. And once like the thing, they all hoist it up and they all fare it around. And then yeah, the owner gets to touch it like way later. They also get medals too. There they get go. medals and the trophy. NFL, NBA, NBA, take note. I mean, I guess if we were pulling something from the NHL, um, the award ceremony. Mm. I, I don't think to. any league celebrates its players and their accomplishments the way the NHL does. Um, there's, I don't want to say there's more trophies and awards than there should be, because I, I love the fact that so many different players can win different things and things like the, the Masterton award, you don't have to be a great player to win it. Like Brian Boyle winning it. How many years ago was that? Five years ago that he won it when he was with New York or New Jersey, like New Jersey. I, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I think he he's he's a fourth line player, but he he gets the award because he persevered and the NHL recognized him for it. Things like that don't tend to happen in other sports. Now the NFL's got like the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, but the NHL also has awards dedicated to the community and they recognize all players from all teams. Everybody gets a nominee. Um, you know, there's the King Clancy award. So similar, um, there's, there's so many that the NHL gives out. And I, I just don't think that other sports take enough time to recognize the fact that their players are, 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 are doing so much for their communities. They're, they're doing everything they can to excel at their sport which is the hardest sport in the world. I mean, if we're being on it, the, the hardest thing in sports might be to hit a, hit a baseball, but yeah, the, the hardest sport to play is hockey because there's so much involved in it. And the NHL does such a great job recognizing the amazing talent that their, their players are, and they put it on display in Vegas. And that's a good one. You know, that that's a big thing. And, and we how just many a, how many other sports do how many other sports talk about like how many times a certain trophy's been won or whatever? Yeah, I yeah. mean they talk about oh you know this quarterback's been an MVP this many times, you know Tom Brady's done it this many times, you know whatever. How many guys that aren't quarterbacks in the NFL win an MVP award? Very only a couple. may as well be like the best quarterback award, and that that's yeah. the biggest player and basically the only player award. Nobody talks about, I mean, can either of you guys name who 
was offensive player or defensive player of the year for the NFL. Yeah, actually, I can name uh, defensive player of the year because I'm pretty sure it was rookie it? this year. It was. It was uh, what's Gardner. his name for the Cowboys? Right. Oh, oh Sauce no, I thought it was the right. Cowboys. It was kid. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Micah Parsons. Yeah, that's right. It was Micah Parsons. Yeah. So that's what I thought. So I was like, I think that was who it was. Yeah. So that that's one of like five awards that the NFL gives out. And I would say it's probably one of their bigger ones because otherwise you have offensive and defensive rookie of the year. And that that's kind of it. Um, in the NBA, you get what you have a, an MVP, but you don't really have any other awards. You in baseball, you have Cy Young awards. Golden um, Glove. You have Golden Glove, which and the Golden Glove, I'll, I'll give credit for that. That's kind of a cool award, you know, best at each position that if I was going to take something from baseball and apply it to the NHL, best left winger, best right winger, best center, best left defenseman, best right defenseman, and and I, hand out those. In. And granted, the guy that wins the Hart Trophy is going to win his positional award and whatnot. But, I mean, right now, Matthew Kachuk, he'd be the league's best left winger. He'd win that award. Doesn't, but, doesn't the stick. NHL have that already yeah. with the first team all-stars? Not the all-star team. The first yeah, team but, but not as cool. Yeah, but that to me, that's not that's oh, recognition, like but that's not actually trophy? like like an actual award. Yeah, because you get like an actual trophy when you're a Golden Glover. You get like a whole thing. So see, yeah, and I think the and NHL, NHL should... basically just announces like, yeah, these are our all stars. Yeah, you just get that. Maybe something in the mail. I don't know. I think the so NHL I guess if I was taking anything, it would be that awards. I think the NHL. Should I think the NHL needs to update the name as... of their awards. Yeah, well, I think Walter Payton's yeah. the one that actually has a name. I think. Well, the Vincent Lombardi, I guess technically, but I think Walter Payton's the only one that I know of. I'm not a big NFL guy, so don't quote me on that. But I think that's the only one that actually has a name attached to it. But Tyler, can you tell? Me well, in and in baseball, you got like the Cy Young Art award. Ross is? Hmm. The Art Ross. Yeah. Do you who know he was? Who Art no, Ross I don't know who he was. No. Yeah. No. Do you know he never exactly. actually led the league in scoring either? Huh. Cordy Howe never had a Cordy Howe hat trick. And in yeah, fact, yeah, I was wondering why it was called that. I was like, what did he In fact, he ever, Art, yeah, Ross, I didn't know that. Art Ross had, I think he only played what, like four seasons? He was primarily a coach, wasn't he? Yeah. Like for Boston was. back in the, the early 30s or whatever. Yeah. Like hmm. they. You yeah. could update some of these award names. You you could change some of the awards too, and I think that would that would go a long way. Like, get rid of the Norris in general. Give out the Bobby Hole and Nick Lindstrom award. Like the Bobby Hole award, the being the, you know best offensive, offensive and yeah, like but update it with players' names of guys who are alive. Like not Give, even not even just guys who are still alive, but fans who are alive when they still yeah. played. Art Ross, I mean, yeah, I know the trophy and what it's for, but I don't know who the hell he was. Like that, you don't maybe you um, don't need to update the Rocket Richard Trophy because that's a big one. But if you really wanted to update it, you could update it to the Mike Bossy Trophy. I mean, how cool would that be? Like Art Trophy, the Wayne Gretzky Award. The fact that the greatest player who has ever played played the game doesn't have an award change the masterton award it's kind of sad change the masterton award to the mario lemieux award 
Because I mean, Mario Lemieux beat yeah, cancer and came yeah. back to play. Like that—that's yeah. perseverance right there. Change the Masterton to the Mario Lemieux. Everybody knows who Mario Lemieux is. Yeah, the like, only one that. How many people know who Bill Masterton is? Gaylord. I don't even know who Bill Masterton is. To be honest, I know I the mean, rest. I don't. I mean, Bill you could change Masterton. the Mark Messier award to the Jonathan Taves award because Jonathan Taves not only led the Blackhawks to three Stanley Cups, but he led them through a scandal without anybody knowing about it. Hmm, says he's a Canadian American hockey sorry. player, <laughs> uh, 1938 to 1968. Would you? There you go. When you first started saying about it, Jonathan come on. Taves, I had a whole dog puke. Not gonna lie. I fucking hate Jonathan Taves, bro. Uh, yeah, but not only did he lead a team to three cups, Jonathan and his Taves. nickname was Captain Serious, he led them through a scandal. I still hate him, though. Yeah, but how many more things uh, can you lead a team through? Well, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. He, I looked at Bill Masterton, he was and it says he was he only played... He was like, instrumental in the cover-up. Like, come on. How is that not commitment to your team? It takes us, he's, a, he's a championship in his own ring. All right, sorry, moving on. Tyler... I, I'm really curious. Please read what you looked up. So Bill Masterton, also known as William Masterton, uh, was born in 1938 and died in 1968. Was a Canadian professional ice hockey center. Played for the National Hockey League for the... Huh. Just look at that. Minneapolis... Something up. Uh, Minnesota North Stars. There we go. He died in Minneapolis. Sorry. Yep, he was... Uh, he played for the Minnesota North Stars. About way back when, he died at age 29. So I don't really know. Let's see. Maybe why the death? Maybe internal brain injury during the first period of Minnesota's January 13th, 1968 game against the Oakland Seals at the Met oh, Center. He's and the one. Says, the he's the reason why, because it looks like this is why they wear a helmet. According to several Masterton's teammates, wearing a helmet was frowned upon in the NHL that era. At least one North Star wore a helmet during the game was traded out of the season. However, Masterton's death sparked an immediate debate on whether their use should be compulsory. Legislators so, considered to make it a law, and that's why they did it by 1973. So I wouldn't actually take a trophy from him, but I would change it to the Lady Bing because the Lady Bing is sportsmanship. It's basically like who who is the best player without taking a ton of penalties, not hurting you know your fellow player and that sort of thing. Mm. Change that to the Masterton. That makes but sense. What, man, I, I have a. I don't want to make this fucked up joke, but like not even making a joke, but it's just weird that the Masterton is named someone with, with like perseverance. Cause they could kill them. So I'm like, well, but I mean, that, that's kind of like what we talked about with art Ross. I mean, the dude never, I, I'm going to, I'm going to double check. I'm not even sure art Ross cleared like 200 career points. Let's look it up. Uh, Ross. it says 1885 to 1964. Uh, they use a, Ice player and executive from 1905-1954 regards one of the best defenders of his era by peers. He was one of the first to skate with a puck up the ice rather than pass to a forward. He was on Stanley Cup championship teams twice, including a playing career that lasted 13 seasons. In January 1907 with the Kenora Thistles and 1908 with the Montreal Wanderers. Like other players of his time, he played with several different teams and leagues, most notably his time with the Wanderers, the members of the National Hockey Association. And uh, obviously, when we know of the NHL in 1911, when the first organized player strikes over increased pay. When the Wanderers' home arena burned down, uh, ceased operations, he retired as a player in 1918. 
He had uh, 83 career points across all levels of hockey through 153 games. And I was right. He was a coach for the Bruins from yep, 1924 to 54. To 45. You, you're dyslexic, Tyler, 45. Yeah, actually I am. So that does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and he had a great record as a coach, 394, 313, and 95. Um, he Same. got two Stanley Cup wins. I mean, why not name the Jack Adams after him if you, you want to keep him oh. part of it? I mean, he was a much better coach than he ever was a player. James Norris. Hmm. James Norris, who the defenseman was named after, never played a game hockey. He was a owner. Huh. I did not know that. He was the first but, owner. But that trophy in general just needs to go away. Yeah. yeah. That trophy in general needs to go away. It needs to be divided into two trophies. That or they need to start recognizing defensemen as maybe part candidates keep, keep like Kel or uh maybe keep was it, yeah Kel McCarr had like maybe 90 points Norris or something re- I lost you guys yeah I was gonna say Kel McCarr had like 90 points two years ago was a top scorer in the league and wasn't even a finalist for the heart like if you're gonna hand out the Norris and it's gonna be like an offensive only thing then actual two-way defenders need to be in that heart conversation or you have to divide the trophy in two. It, it can't stay the way it is. It doesn't make sense. Guys like, I don't know, or Adam Fox the, will always dominate Biden. it. But there's so many guys like John Carlson, who was a Norris candidate in, what, 2018? Um, and he was. It was purely based on offense. Like 100% based on offense. I think he's probably outside the top 10 that year as far as defenseman goes. And he's a Norris candidate because he knows his job. Me pass the puck to Ovi on the power play. You know what? That doesn't mean you're a great defenseman. So, so we've been at this one for far too long. We haven't. I was going to say, yeah, I think it's about time for you guys to announce what you got for us next week. So, because uh, I'll be gone next week, uh, I'll be missing next week's pod. I believe Chase will be too. He's on vacation, which I know I got vacation time from us already. But hey, there we go. So, uh, Matt, if you want to go ahead and tell us what you guys got planned for the folks at home next week. All right. So you guys can expect plenty more heated debate and argument from Grandy and I, like you got tonight, um, as we do our draft primer. Um, we have Yotes Trade Central, Tim from Yotes Trade Central, coming in. He's going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk all things draft. Um, Coyotes will be at the first, or will be at the forefront of all of that. But um, it is our draft primer. Um, we'll, we're going to talk about just about everything in there. So um, that'll be a fun one. Look for it. And I it's think be we a might show. have some updated lottery mock drafts come too. Yep. Keep an eye out for mine. Mine will be the one that's right. <laughs> and don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, the 28th, it'll be a live stream on YouTube. Uh, probably not on Twitch. I don't think we're looking at that avenue, but we'll let you know if anything changes. Um, you can be live. Yeah, we can see our pretty faces. It's going to be a good time. Come on in, join us. Talk some hockey in the comments and all that good stuff. We have a couple guests lined up. We're still kind of hammering that out, but 
We'll have probably more details next week for that, but so just strap primer. I don't think we have anything else on the. Oh, guess what? Guys, we, we also have merchandise. Have, we do. We do have merchandise, and it's pretty great. We have shirts, hoodies, uh, mugs, stickers. I think that's all we have right now. Um, They're talking about stuff. Looks more, great, but that is all we have right now. Yes. Hoping for pens. I want pens. Join join I, us on our draft special. We will probably give a couple of things away to a couple yep. of people that are watching. Um, but you guys can go to, what is it, itr.com? Insidetherink.com. Yep, and you'll check see the shop there. You also can see yeah, Grandy's shop. writing. He's got, uh, you got one on Ekman Larson coming out, I believe you said. Uh, you also can get a hold of ESPN Plus that way too. We'll go ahead and hook you up with that. And I think that's it, boys. I think I said everything on the docket. Pretty sure. That's the case, boys. Let's go ahead and close this thing out. Any last words? No. No. Just uh, thank you all okay. for listening again. Remember to spy stars on whatever app you're using to listen to us on. Check out my writing on Inside the Rank. Check out Tyler's writing on Esports Underground. And. We 10 out of 10 recommend both. Both week. 10 oh, out of you. 10 recommend both. Matt? Any last Oh, yeah. Also, also, um, for anybody that made it through that debate from Grandy and I, um, and, and Tyler. Tyler had some great points in there. Really helped move things along. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for, for anybody that made it through that entire debate, um, feel free to DM myself or Grandy if you guys would like to join the podcast. Not sorry, not join the podcast. Come on as a guest um, and debate with us in a future episode. Um, we'd always love to hear from some fans and get their ideas and and join in the debate with us. Yeah, like I said, you know this this podcast started as people drinking beer, talking hockey, and that's kind of what it is. So please come it on is, on. It is a Coyotes fan generated podcast. Sure is. 100%. So we, we we have these debates because we're passionate about this team. And we are very, very stubborn individuals. Yep. And if you feel intimidated debating with Grandy and I, Tyler and Chase would love to debate with you as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm also aggressive, like a, a loose hawk something like that some fierce animals sure. i don't know hawks can be fierce i think they kill small animals i don't know not steve i, don't I, don't know. I mean i can, I can take down an alligator whereas so matt, yes, <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> i was about to bring it up <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's funny so yeah i walked into that one too i think that wasn't even a purposeful setup that was just a total Anyway, you guys have a good night. We'll see you next week. Actually, I won't see you next week, but these two boys will be taking care of you. Have a good rest of your night. We'll see you next time.